Good evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 121 of your fortnightly look at manga. We are recording this on the 5th of February 2023 for release on, well, Valentine's Day, according to this um, document I have here. So, hooray! Um, please accept this confession and box of malformed chocolate. Um, I hear that cooking it badly is moe, Andy. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. Yes, I'm, I'm stocked up on salt to use instead of sugar because I believe that is the, the, the Valentine's Day tradition for messing up your Valentine's Day chocolates. So, uh, yeah, I'm prepared. <laughs> More than one. It's like, you know, you can always just pull a hitman and put rat poison in it and um, <laughs> cause a problem that way. Um, just just to be a voice of doubt, don't do that for love of God. Holy shit. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Like if, if, if you want to have a successful Valentine's Day, that's probably not on the list of things to do. You know, <laughs> Your love may or may not be, re- um, you know, reciprocated. If it is reciprocated in that case, then oh, you've got bigger problems to worry about. You've just you've just gone out of a yandere. Good job. Exactly. But but the good news is we both love manga and that's why we're here. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Cool. <laughs> Let's talk about the manga. Uh, most importantly, we're we're also here to talk about our shout out tier patrons, uh, Mr. Rob Jessup, the Blue Head Cyborg, and Seeger's Gear. Thank you ever so much for supporting us. Um, at the time of recording, we just put out our January bonus episode on the Apothecary Diaries. Um, had a nice bit of discussion in our little comfy Discord about that, so that's nice to see. And I'm still, I'm, I have my finger half a millimeter above the buy button for volume two, so check in later to find out if my finger slipped. Um, so let's get down to it, Manga. Should we do my pick first, Andy? I'm kind yeah. of curious to talk about both of these, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah, but no, let's let's start with yours. Okay, cool. So my pick is I've been I've I've realized I've probably been butchering butchering this name and like musical terms for my entire life. So apologies to anyone who has like the ability to like tap their foot like in time because i can't even do that but my pick is nodeme cantible um or cantabile i'm not quite sure i've always been spelling it wrong for years anyway um this series is by tomoko ninomiya um it's complete at 25 volumes long there's hella anime for it including some drama adaptations i believe the anime if you can kind of like grab all the different seasons and smoosh them together you do get the entire storyline um with a few things excised um i believe that does cover the entire thing i believe the last two volumes are also like a sort of a we're not done yet style sort of ending section where it's like ah, oh, the main story's done but we've got two more volumes of stuff to cover so hey opera hen i guess um you can get it digitally at the moment physical copies are still floating around but the main thing is that this was initially picked up in the before times you know over a decade ago easily at this point uh by the now defunct delray who put out you know so a pretty decent translation of it and then they went defunct at around i think 16 volume 16 and then it sat in purgatory for a while and then kodansha came along and picked it up and has been releasing it digital only um kind of continuing like the general sort of thrust of the translation and the visual design so it's like oh man you guys must have just got a package of files and just carried on and so yeah the entire thing's now available from kodansha as I say, mostly digitally. Um, I don't believe that newer volumes that were released in the time of Kodansha are available physically. 
Um, anyway, so Nodome Kentible kind of starts us off at a music conservatory in Japan where our main, we have our main duo of characters and to kind of skip to the quick. Um, basically we have Shinichi Chiaki who is, well, he's, he's a child of privilege. Basically he spent some time of his childhood in Vienna alongside his father and idolized, um, Sebastian Vieira, who is a composer, um, based in Vienna, who he idolized and wanted to be just like and you know cut to him being 21 and that still holds true um and he wants to be a conductor much like um, Vieira is um he also can play the violin pretty good and does piano uh mostly as a way to kind of help buffer his skills ready to make the jump into conducting which some of his teachers aren't so impressed about because it's kind of like he's just sort of dossing about and wasting his time um one of the reasons he is wasting his time is that he is definitely afraid of flying and so can't hop onto a plane to vienna um to solve the whole problem um or at least get just go straight back to his um his former teacher slash idol um and like kind of consummate the pinky pledge of i'll be your student when i grow up ha 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 it's you know it's like making a uh, romantic wish under a tree um with your childhood friend except with a dupe of a beard and a conductor's baton and also and like the chalk to his cheese is megumi noda known forevermore as nodame um because it's a funny name and nodame herself is a funny girl who kind of attracts funny names and makes them up you're kind of introduced to her as she's in the middle of her quote-unquote piano lesson as she is making up and kind of freestyling a song about poo about farting so you know good times abound but nadame is kind of the opposite of shinichi she kind of gets by on kind of natural talent and genius and just being kind of away with the fairies honestly um she is very good at improvisation she picks up um composition and music via ear and applies her own sort of like whimsical end to it which drives people nuts like especially shinichi because he's like you're not playing it like it's on the freaking sheet and she's like i can't read sheet music what is this garbage just play it for me and she's also a complete mess um to go back to our earlier com discussion of badly made valentine's day chocolates um her flat is a complete and utter bomb site basically um in multiple cases and jokes about stuff being weeks old and old ramen bowls and such to the point where you look at it and go man this is a risk in fact it is a risk um the effluence from the um, garbage is affecting shinichi's flat because he's next door surprise they're now kind of lumped together and so the pair this kind of first volume basically introduces you to characters and a few sort of orbiting secondary stars around this pair and kind of from the off you kind of know the direction of travel they're both going to develop and evolve as people and develop their both their musical skills and explore what they want to do with them they're both in like you know early 20s you know starting to really have to actually consider what they're going to do with their life um nodame in particular comes from kind of much less moneyed background and privileged background and mindset frankly than shinichi and so she is very down to earth which causes no end of consternation to some people around her who are like wait a minute you've got this amazing gift what the fuck do you mean kindergarten teacher and then leading to a lot of um you know sort of very flat judgments on the worth of kindergarten teachers um so yeah i've gone long there but that's kind of the 
1000 mile view of this pair who are in the same conservatory doing the same instrument piano and just kind of the waters they kind of find themselves swimming in and you know unsurprisingly even in this first volume it's kind of setting them up as getting together except that it seems like it's going to be the single most awkward and exasperating get together um, especially from shinichi's point of view um and so, yeah, that's kind of the starting, your start of a 10, really, on this series. And, like, to kind of, like, say my initial thoughts and then hand off to you, Andy, um, I feel like this is actually a pretty good volume for getting you grounded with the characters and then letting you know if you're kind of going to get sick of them. Like, there's a good argument to be made for both of the main characters, Shinichi and Nodame both, of, like, oh, my God, no, I can't deal with this person. I'm supposed to empathize with them. Oh. Like, I... I I never really loved Shinichi, but coming back to him um, in this manga version was a case of like, oh yeah, this guy is like all prickle. Like that's kind of his entire thing. And the fact that he can basically lean back on like, well, you know, I got money and connections. It's like, oh wow, that's aggravating to see. Um, maybe it's just me. Um, but hey, um, so what did you think of this, Andy? Have you read this before? Have you watched the anime? I've watched the anime. I can't remember how much, but I've watched a decent chunk of it in the past. Yeah. Um, so this this is my third attempt at trying. Oh no, gel with this series, and I got further into it this time than I have before. Like I watched the anime, bounced after like maybe a couple of episodes. Like I think I read like half of this first volume once and kind of bounced off of it. Um and I, I giving it a full volume, I do like it a bit more, but I do fall <laughs> into exactly that category that you've just described. That I really don't like either of the main characters very what? much. No, like, Sh- Shinichi <laughs> is a jerk, and he, you know, as as much as you can see, like him redeeming himself at times through this, it's kind of it's like you've got a set of scales, and on one side is like being a jerk, and the other is being a reasonable human. And you know, there's been a couple of grams of butter put on the being a decent human side of the scale versus like a brick on the other side, <laughs> um, and. And so, yeah, yeah, like, you know, as as sort of the main male protagonist, it's just like, no, I think you'd probably be best off, like, alone, to be honest. Um, and then Nadame is just like, she's not a manic pixie dream girl, she's more of just a messy pixie dream girl. Um, and it's just that kind of, like, you know, typical, just like, ah, yeah, I'm just really random and quirky, don't you like me? And I'm like, no, actually, this is kind of infuriating. And if, if you could dial it back a bit, then maybe. But I'm just not really... I'm not really into either of the characters, and thus, as a kind of extension, I'm not really particularly invested in their relationship either. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I can, I can kind of... I see the charm, and there are moments in this where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of... I kind of like this. I kind of like parts of the setup. But it just doesn't really click for me. And I I feel like it all feels so whimsical as well. Like a a lot of everything that goes on, there's just no sort of real grounding in in like, I I mean, you look at the two main characters and you're like, how are these two people even like still in this conservatory? How have they not both just been kicked out on their asses? Because like, Sunichi is basically like cussing out kind of teachers and just being a problem child. The dame is not putting any real effort into anything and is just kind of, you know, just prancing about. And it's just like in the real world, I'm pretty sure they would both have just been kicked out and just been like, hey, come back when you've actually like sorted your life out. 
I think the answer to that particular question is that they're both paying for it. Uh, yeah. Um, like, you know, can, I, I mean, I'm not a musical person as mentioned, but conservatory fees are high. And so it's more a case of like, you know, I mean, you know, Shinichi doesn't get an easy ride. Like he, they're both getting teaching, which is supposed to kind of play to their both, like, you know, they're both their attitudes and also what needs to kind of happen to elevate them as musicians. Whereas, like Shinichi in particular has the very demanding um teacher I believe he's called Harrison in the anime because he's got a paper fan the whole time um and like he is a very demanding person and Shinichi as you say cusses him out saying what I'm good enough what is this and it's like okay you've clearly failed this class because you haven't grasped what I'm trying to teach you here because you've got your head so far up your own ass Whereas Nodame kind of on the other side gets the very whimsical teacher herself who appears to have forgotten that he's supposed to actually be teaching something. Um, so it's, yeah, it feels almost, it, it does have a slight problem of not really having a window into like where they're going or what this conservatory is supposed to do for them. Um, I suppose that is the case where it's, you know, being arts, it's a lot more open-ended. It's not like you finish art 100 and then go to art 200. It's a case of, well, there's an entire world out there and good fucking luck because, you know, there isn't exactly a very straightforward, like, research grant for playing the piano. Um, I Yeah, I feel like Nadame in particular, like I watching the anime first really kind of helped on board me because I enjoyed the anime um, and having the voice of the Nadame's actress in my head really helps kind of soften that. And also knowing that she does calm down a little bit um, compared to her more sort of extreme circumstances in volume one. Like she's basically stealing her friend's food every time she gets a chance. And you can only do that so many times before you go from like being called a raccoon to oh no we just won't hang out with you anymore because you're actually a living nightmare like she's very much like the neurodivergent um pixie dream girl um which is you know kind of one of those things you also wonder i mean it gets told to you later on far in the future like which in a volume that andy i don't think you'll ever get to frankly but it does kind of explain how she kind of got into conservatory into the conservatory and what her actual direction of travel is so that kind of gets filled in more as the series goes on but for a first volume it's a it's very much a case of like these two weird like sort of monad singular characters in this isolated bubble world i mean the only real stinch of the real you get is um, one of the side characters ryutaro mine the like weird like pre-hipster violin dude who is basically like hey if i don't pass this i gotta help with the family business which is a chinese restaurant and it's like well for someone who doesn't like loves music and doesn't want to get kicked out you're not really trying that hard with it um it's kind of a case where they're like in general there's a lot of assumed forgiveness of the character's base state so it can then do the wacky romantic hijinks on top whereas as i say i'm like i don't know anything about this what's going on so you kind of have to take a lot of um like um what's its word um suspension of disbelief you kind of have to be up for the layer it wants to talk to you at rather than being like what is this yeah yeah and and i think ultimately that's kind of like the blocking off point for me because like I, I i can deal with a certain amount of kind of like whimsical and that kind of suspension but especially for any kind of romantic comedy or anything like that i kind of 
I feel like it's something that I need to sort of associate a bit more directly with, and this is not a series that kind of manages to do that for me, because it's just like, again, it's sort of in a similar place to things like, I guess, like Oran and stuff like that, where it's... (laughs) It has it has its vibe that it wants to go for, and if you're not kind of if you're not on the wavelength of that, then it's probably going to leave you cold. And that's kind of for the most part where it, it left me. And and again, I even I was sort of a bit more excited when the kind of utero comes on the scene because this also felt like a, a volume to me that needed more supportive, kind of connective tissue of other supporting characters. Whereas again, it's kind of mostly the odd girl going like, "Oh, Shinichi's hot." Um, or like, oh, Nadame is a problem. And that's kind of, you know, they're there to add superfluous commentary to things. So I was like, okay, cool. Like an actual third character to kind of, you know, intercede in this and to be an interesting midpoint. But like that, that almost felt a bit rushed to me because there's kind of like a moment where it looks like, oh, is this going to be kind of a love rivalry thing? And that's just no. like, no, none of these characters care about each other either. And it's like, I can, I can vibe with that at least. Um, um but it's just like, yeah, there, there's, that just sort of just goes around the horn really quickly and then it just kind of comes out the other end with sort of probably one of the most redemptive things that Shinichi does in this volume of actually kind of stepping in and being like, look, you know, I've kind of... He basically says what he's been saying like in in a very jerkish way to this guy for quite some time, but in a more measured and actually helpful manner. And that was actually one point that I really liked. I'm like, okay that's kind of a a nice bit of growth of like understanding like what I was saying to this guy wasn't actually wrong. It's just, you need to couch this in a particular way to like explain your thinking, not just be like, you're bad at this. It's more like, no, you're, you're bad at doing this in this specific way. What you should be doing is this. Yeah. Which is also kind of wild because I mean, I, I guess Mina doesn't go to lectures much because it's like, this is the sort of thing you should probably have actual teaching inform you about, which is bizarre when it's like, it feels like Shinichi is basically turning into a required secondary teacher. And of course, the whole point of that is that he also learns a lesson too. Haven't we all learned a lesson? La la la. Let's play the ending song. You know, it's like children's TV. Um, and you get like Shinichi's ex-girlfriend who is an interesting character because there's a lot of like weird like it kind of it's kind of bizarre because it sets her out initially as being oh like oh she's the you know the venus of the doodah day and um you know then it gets revealed that oh no they're exes because they had interpersonal issues and it's like wait that's really interesting go into that and you get very few crumbs of that dropped throughout and then you basically get her character slandered for a good amount of the volume where it's like oh yeah she's gold digging this dude and it turns out no not really and also like everyone just kind of assumes the worst for her and it's it's a really weird thing where it's like trying to make a character out who's like even less principled than shinichi it doesn't work and it's like nah leave her alone like this is weird um i don't know i kind of like the fact it does sidestep and doesn't bother with a romantic triangle if anything the one thing about this series by and large like from my memory is that basically from the get-go nendami only has eyes for shinichi which honestly is kind of actually refreshing because you know I don't think I could handle a character that scatterbrained being in some kind of doshio mode. She's, she's too, she's too doshio about life to have another layer where she's trying to get her romantic feelings in order. Like that's, yeah. that's too much. You know, she yeah. doesn't even know which tap the hot water comes out of at this point. Yeah. Although I, I think this is where I kind of, I wish that there was sort of a bit more of a kind of solidified reason behind that. Cause it kind of just comes out like pretty much as soon as she meets him, it's just like, Oh yeah. Like, 
let's fall in love. And it's just like, hang on, you basically like met like two seconds ago. Well, he, he did clean her flat, you know. He did clean her flat, but I feel like even before, even before he really starts in on that, it's like she's already kind of like making eyes at him, and it's like this is. And again, for that sort of kind of character, it felt like you know it didn't really add up because like why, why this guy, why right now? Um, again, because he's the, sh- like- he's the he's the he's the like co-protagonist come on dude. yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um <laughs> but you know it just sort of felt like again it's just like add an extra step in there and maybe you i'd have bought in a little bit more on it which again this is this is what one of the things that i i often find with these kind of series is like i feel like i need to see the relationship grow in a kind of organic way and when it's just thrown in as just a like oh yeah these characters are gonna Fall in love because dot dot dot. Like it, it can join the it can join those dots later on, but like it, it, I'm probably not bought in by that point. Yeah, I can fully understand that, especially like having now made a third attempt for it. Um, as I say, I watched the anime like you know back when it came out initially in the bad old days of four three um, screen ratios and kind of fell in love with it there, mostly because it can get through these early chapters pretty fast in anime form. Um, and also it has the ability then to kind of look over much more of the manga to help synthesize what's important. Whereas as an initial volume, it does feel very much a case of terrible comparison here, but like it's run for, it's, it's left the starting blocks, but it's still got the starting blocks attached to its feet. Like it's, it's taking a long time and stumbling cut to try and get itself together. As you say, like having more characters would help. And, unsurprisingly i bet you couldn't see this one coming but later on a whole band worth of a whole orchestra of characters turn up like thankfully you don't need to learn every single one of them like it's a bleach episode or something but you do get a lot more characters and you do get weird love rivals although i'm having not having not watched that bit recently i don't know how it's aged i mean like you know this series first came out in 2001 and went for a good long while and so it's kind of a case of like oh this is kind of from a different era almost like you know the the translation of volume one is from the del rey version which was like released in english in 2005 and like it's not like it's speaking in ye old english but it does speak in a slightly different tone like it still has the honorific page explaining what the honorifics are i'm like wow check it out del rey's note also like Kodansha didn't bother with redoing any of that which i can understand for like removal of effort but it is funny seeing like delray's page and i'm like oh god the zombie quick <laughs> hit it on the head yeah um, it, it it did feel like like it's not a bad translation but it did feel a little bit dry in places and yeah. maybe a little bit more stilted than which it, it which doesn't help with nodami in particular given that she's basically like i don't know she's like um her her like What's his face? Sweep from Sooty and Sweep. You know, that's her kind of tone, really. Her kind of cadence. Yeah, yeah. God, that's a reference that some of our audience aren't going to get. <laughs> um, yeah, just a weird sock puppet. One thing I have to admit, actually, to kind of to stop defending it, I suppose, for a second, is that one thing I realised coming back to it is that the art ain't all that. And it's kind of wild, honestly, going back to it in how sparse it is. Like, you get the main characters and the characters are distinct visually. And, you know, you get some nice pictures of instruments and characters playing them. But unsurprisingly, it's difficult to show that in manga, like as we talked about with Blue Box previously. And, you know, this series makes a pretty game attempt at trying to show the feeling and vibe of music but equally the the artwork is pretty damn sparse like there's not a lot in terms of backdrops or anything apart from the school or conservatory or whatever like i was kind of shocked going back to it just how much empty space is on the page quite often and the characters faces aren't 
that defined, if that makes sense. It's a case of like, oh, I know this is this character, but there isn't really much to them. Um, I, yeah, it was kind of wild. I mean, I know that obviously there's an element of settling in and getting the characters to kind of bed in, but it was kind of wild going back to it and going, oh, this is a lot less visually lush than I remember it, which again, I've, I've read up to like volume 20 or something, like in my previous attempt at reading it, um, uh, before they released the last tranche of volumes and have watched the anime. So I've, I have those other images in my head, but yeah, going back to this volume, I'm like, damn, this is pretty, ooh, there's not, there's not a lot of ink on this page. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is quite sparse. I mean, I, I know, I, I, I kind of, I kind of liked it in terms of putting its characters across for the most part. It's, it's pretty, it's oh, yeah. pretty good at, it's pretty good at drawing a messy apartment room. Like I feel like I think that's where it, all the effort went. Honestly, we're all the time. It does, yeah, it does feel like that's probably, yeah, they were yeah. probably like, I'm never doing this again. It's, it's probably why that that room gets cleaned up so quickly and never <laughs> becomes quite that messy again because like I'm not drawing that a second time. Yeah, the assistants will leave you. Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, well, I'm not. You know, it's not a complete negative like poo poo. It is the fact that like it gets across the characters and things, even so, but when you look at it from a slightly like divorced view or you kind of lean back out of yourself it's like whoa this this is rather thin um artwork wise but as i say it gets across the characters um so that helps um as i say i think it is partially a bedding in thing and also it's a sort of thing that very if if you if you do glom onto the characters and get swept up in their very strange odd couple-ish romance you kind of don't really care about too much when you're watching like you know you're more there for the faces and expressions and strange noises and everything um which and honestly actually also one thing about it is that it doesn't kind of bring across some of nadame's mania but i suppose at some point you've got to kind of like translate it and be done rather than like make a character sound like a complete nutcase um, yeah yeah i, I think it, it's 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 a tough nut to, to crack without going to ott on that but uh but yeah like i think that's the thing like i, I feel i feel like as, as much as i didn't really gel with the characters like i feel like the artwork wasn't the barrier there like i feel like yeah. it does a good job of bringing across everything that it wants to and kind of again even just in terms of that vibe of just like yeah okay i can see pretty much from the get-go what you're going for and what your sort of angle of attack is on this whole story yeah plus also like i mean i like nodame um quite a lot although i feel like this volume is kind of her at her worst in some regards because you don't really know what she's getting at half the time or she's just being a pain in the ass whereas again i came from the anime and the anime kind of smooths over some of that and just kind of gets i don't know it feels like it's more at her level rather than like peering down on, upon her from shinichi's height and kind of implicitly judging her the entire damn time i don't know maybe that's again i may be making excuses for it um i'm i mean as i said i have all of this because i and i haven't actually read the entire thing because i forgot where i'd gotten to and what was happening so um this will probably return for me in returning champions and so you'll get to listen to me as i continue reading it um that's both a threat and a promise um but i don't know i'm guessing you're not going to continue with reading this andy no i think after three failed attempts i think this is this is where i call it a day and just be like yeah this this is not for me it's it's one of those things that i've revisited multiple times because i know so many people who absolutely adore this series and would yeah. like you know go to bat for it to an insane degree and it's like what what am i missing and i like i kind of feel like i at least get it now like i sort of i i get that it's not i'm not really missing anything it's just not in my kind of strike zone for this kind of series um and you know that happens sometimes yeah i think you know third strike and you're out i suppose really um 
but yeah, I can understand that. I mean, as I say, like it start as it as more volumes happen, it does introduce more of a wider cast. Like importantly, like the core thing in this series that is the actual like proper friction rather than like aren't they funny um is the fact that they both actually start to have different directions of travel in their desires and careers um such as they are so that becomes a lot more interesting when it when it actually like realizes that the characters need to have like a direction of travel and like actual responsibilities to fulfill um and that makes it a lot more interesting um as they ping pong around in certain directions and locations so there's that but again if you're not ensnared by it then there really isn't a reason to kind of like just tough it out like this isn't the sort of series that i can't in good faith like sit you down and say andy just get to volume four because frankly even if that was the case i can't think even if I was going to do that, I can't think of what volume is, quote, where it gets good, because I'm kind of in it from the get-go. Yeah, um, so, yeah. you know, I can't, yeah. So that's so I'm not going to try that on you, I swear. But do you have anything else to mention about this? No, no, I think that's it for me. No, yeah, that's uh, Nadami Cantible. It appears sometimes in Humble Bundles. Um, my notes, you can tell when we read this, because my notes mention that you can read it on Azuki, but you can't anymore. Thanks, Kadansha. So, yeah, oh well. Um, but yeah, I, I presume that might appear on whatever service Kadansha are currently cooking up, but haven't released yet. Like that's timing is very stupid still, but let's not get into that again. Um, but yeah. Um, so now a quick break, um, for a little ad message from us. Hey there, Elliot here, just interrupting this episode to let you know that Screen Tone Club is supported by our lovely listeners via Patreon. Subscribing to our Patreon helps to defer the cost of buying the manga that we read for the show, keeps the show ad-free, and gives us a lovely, warm feeling inside. Yeah, by supporting us on Patreon, you also get our monthly bonus episodes, and if you support us on the $5 and up tier, you also get to vote on what we cover on these bonus episodes. Your pick of manga or light novel for us to cover. So to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash club. Sign up today and you get access to our full back catalogue with over three years of bonus episodes. So whether you're a subscriber or not, thank you ever so much for listening. And now, back to the show already in progress. Okay, and we're back. And now we're going to get on with Andy's pick. Um, yeah, take it away, Andy. This is a hell of a title and I'm very curious to hear what you think about it. Yeah, so yeah, my pick for this episode is Burn the House Down, uh, which is from uh, Moyeshi Fujisawa. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of like this, this I, I can't remember whether we talked about this on podcast or off podcast, but basically <laughs> this is one of those like, see the title, be like, that sounds pretty compelling. Read the synopsis, be like, oh yeah, this does actually sound super compelling. And so, uh, yeah, like I, I had to, I had to read it and see what the deal was. Yeah. Um, even if we did mention it on pod, I think it bears repeating of, yeah, it's a good title and it's a good synopsis. And just from the setup, it's like, oh, okay. And I have no idea when this actually came out. It just sort of appeared fully formed of all eight, eight volumes available. And I yeah. had no idea or visibility of it until you mentioned it for this podcast. So yeah. 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 I think yeah. I've seen it like randomly once or twice and be like, oh, someday I should put that on, on screen time because it just like sounds vaguely interesting, but never got as far as checking the synopsis and it kind of became an instant pick as soon as i i got to that so yeah as mentioned eight volumes available digital only currently um so no physical volume available um and to be fair this series kind of starts in a pretty compelling fashion right from the get-go uh, because we see the main character's childhood memories of 
a burning family home and her mum basically prostrating herself in front of our protagonist and apologising for something. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this main character. Well, this, this, this talking about this is going to get complicated <laughs> because names are not necessarily the actual characters' names. So we're in. I mean, Andy, what in- is a name? You know exactly what is a name. What what is a manga? We could really go deep on this. Please, no, um, no. Come on, we're not restarting <laughs> this whole thing again. Yeah. So, um, so our protagonist is introduced introduces herself as a Shizuka Yamauchi. Uh, she's in her mid twenties and she's working as a housekeeper. Um, and she, she is working as a housekeeper for a very specific person. Um, uh, an, an older lady who is a, a model, it turns out, uh, called Mita, what is it? Mitatari? Mita, 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 Mitarai Makiko. Mitarai. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's Mitarai. There's not a second T. There you go. That's, that's me typoing. This is what happens when I write on a, on a, on an iPhone, not on, on my notebook. Yeah. Um, good so luck. Yeah, so use, she, good luck using swipe texting with Japanese names. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, so she is hired by Mitarai as, as a cleaner, um, which, you know, seems pretty simple enough, except it very quickly turns out that there is there is a connection between these two characters, um, and as far as Shizuka is concerned, this woman has stolen some stuff from her mum, including, as it later turns out, her, her, her dad, <laughs> her mum's husband. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we kind of we, we we move on forth as effectively like Shizuka, not her real name, as it turns out, is using this job to effectively do a little bit of sleuthing and a little bit of taking back what she feels belongs to her and her family um to kind of piece together a whole bunch of events um and it's it's hard to say much more without kind of starting to spoil things because one of the the really great things about this volume is uh, I, I was going to make a joke about it being a slow burn um but i'm not going to um it, it's it's actually not like it's this is a really good chapter by chapter peeling back layers and revelations that just take you deeper and deeper into the mystery of like everything that has happened here mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways it's just kind of kitchen sink melodrama in a sense at this point but man is it good kitchen sink melodrama like this is this is a kind of really good like soap opera like yeah. oh i need to watch this and see what happens next because every character clearly has a bunch of secrets every character has a bunch of kind of shit going on yeah like every character has a bunch of kind of you know falsities around them there's a little bit of maybe unreliable narrator stuff going on here too and there's a lot you get to the end of this volume and you know it starts with a pretty good question of like well clearly a house has burned down right there in the title right there on the front page what happened here? What is this all about? And you end with that plus about a dozen other questions about every single character and everything that has happened. And yeah, I'm on the hook to read the rest of this as soon as I get the opportunity to do so. This was very much a like, I could just go straight to volume two, but I want to kind of keep myself fresh for this podcast. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just really good at laying all of this stuff out with all of these complexities in this really compelling way um, that just builds it brick by brick and piece by piece. And yeah, I was very much kind of enamored of it by the end. 
Yeah, I yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to go into specifics. Maybe we can talk about like individual like spoilers for this volume at the end of this review just to kind of like bookmark it. Um I I'm not as good as you Andy. I'm not as angelic. I gave in and read volume 2 because I could not handle it. Um but I will keep all of that far out of my mouth. But yeah, I feel like the series itself and the editors at Kodansha like have figured out that the mystery is all and the melodrama and reveals are all because the synopses of the volumes do a very good job at keeping their powder dry and laying out things as they are at the start of the volume not revealing what was going to happen in the volume which is the important bits i feel like the most frequent thing i've written in my notes is the word yikes um swiftly followed by yikes in all capitals because i'm one of those people who writes really weird like that in my note in my notes so it's like you can imagine me kind of going oh whoa and then my eyebrows going even further up my face and going oh whoa, whoa. but yeah as you say so proper i feel like so you've nailed it entirely with the soap opera comparison like a lot of it if you were not bought in, you would read, uh, you, if you read a bullet point list of the things that happen in this and the revelations, which they are, they do feel revelatory when they occur, um, because it's very much a case of like, oh, that answers a question. But wait, that just raises more questions. Oh, fuck. Like every single damn time it happens, even during and after chapters, it's like, hang on a second. Like I've, this information does not jive with everything else. Is there something else I'm missing? Is there an, assumption that has to be challenged or corrected down the line like as you say like some things are even just very basic stuff are basically off limits for talking about this without spoilers but yeah it, it, it very quickly as you say becomes apparent that um shizuka isn't working at this house for kicks um and you know even from the get-go at the very very start of it you're like Something's very much up here and Shizuka is extremely holding her, like hiding her power level, basically. She's an extremely capable person, which does her a great service in what she is trying to accomplish and basically the subterfuge she is undertaking, um, yeah. which, and, and- which I think is extremely smart where like, you know, she's also the fact that she's hiding her power level, but not perfectly. And so, you know, Makiko kind of knows something is up here, but she has her own shit to deal with and her own like facades to keep up like you know her attempt i mean the reason why she calls in a housekeeper is because she's all about the gram and you know she's all about like being a amateur slash aspiring professional modeler of an older lady and well you know later in life you know you know kids are leaving nest type age lady and you know there's a demand for you know modeling and you know you know like sort of take a break style puff pieces and like interviews and beauty tips and all that sort of shit like the sort of stuff that your parents watch on instagram my mum does at least and she is all about that gram life and of course having to keep up with all that shit means she does not really have time or care for doing housework um and so that stuff just goes way by the wayside um to and also like you know her husband is a doctor and seems to work every hour that god sends and so you never see him um and they kind of live in this limbo and so she is all about her career path her discovered career path and there's a lot that goes into her leading up to that and her particular wishes and intentions there's a lot around that unsurprisingly and at the end of it like the kind of thing uh, burning in the background is the fact that like at a, t- at a point in time a family's house burned down and 
you know, the mother was the last memory that everyone seems to have is of the mother prostrating herself and and apologizing, and that's that's the kind of thing that everything loops back to the kind of knot at the center of it. I really went off on there one, Andy. Sorry, I'm very sorry about that. I'll let you get a word in edgewise. Yeah, but no, no. I mean, that's that's all. Yeah, that's all kind of part of what makes it compelling, and I, and I think it's it's really great at kind of setting up what are effectively the two main characters as this sort of. It's not really like a massive like cat and mouse game between them. I don't know, dude. It, is... it reminds me of Death Note, like in but a way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the thing is, it's like it, it's like Death Note if you're not sure if like you know the two characters are even vaguely aware of each other because there are there are some really great points even like right at the start of this where like even from the get go you think like Shizuka's been rumbled and you're still like at the end of this volume I'm still not sure whether there's kind of a very pregnant pause that could be a like. No, that, there's definitely some suspicion there, or it could just have been something else entirely. And that's, again, like you say about this series, it keeps its powder dry. It doesn't even try to give you, like, the nod, nod, wink, wink to the, the, the viewer of just, like, or the reader of just, like, yeah, something's up there, right? Right? I hope you made note of that. It's just paced, it's just placed well enough that you could write it off as, like, no, that's, like, that, that That might not mean anything, or that might mean everything. Yeah. And this could all be a deliberate kind of, like, trap to, like, draw Shizuka into this. Um, and on top of that, like, both of these characters, like, there's not necessarily a and because of the mystery, there's not necessarily a like good person versus bad person thing here. Like Shizuka, there's, there's kind of a clear direction of like where the righteousness is in this. Yeah, but, but at I, the same I, time, it's a case of like, well, that could be very easily upended in some way. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. like that there is a rug there, and somebody may choose to tug on it at some point. Because like, yeah, Shizuka, like you say, she's a really good kind of leading character here because she's super capable. She's super kind of focused on what she's doing. Um, but like you say, not too much. You know, she's not kind of like you know, I'm the genius detective that's going to solve this. Like you know, she's just some normal person in abnormal circumstances that is doing her best with what what you know the powers that she has. Mm. But like she's she is played in a very kind of straight way. Like she's she's not like there being like I'm the hero of justice here. Like she's no, doing okay. Her... No, there isn't that element for sure. <laughs> yeah, like she is doing her thing, but like because we don't really know a lot of the the background of what actually happened. Like there are so many questions about whether you know what she is doing is you know again like always the unreliable narrator thing of like we've heard her side of the story about a lot of this and what has purported to have happened but we don't have any kind of you know cross-referencing of like okay yeah that's definitely what happened and you know likewise on Mitoro's side you know we've heard plenty about her and what she has supposedly done but again there's no like confirmation of that so like you say that whole thing could be turned on its head with one reveal of somebody else cropping up and being like well actually this is what I remember and it was different Um, and I really like that kind of uneasy tension almost just as the reader of just like you could have been fed a lot of garbage by this main character like a lot of this might not be true and like that is kind of part of the compulsion of just like well i want to see actually what's what the truth is here um and that's that is the the great thing that this kind of series this first volume does is it's it very much sets up it sets you up for that exact thing of like you're going to want to know what the truth is about this so uh better keep reading yeah and it's not it's also the fact that um there is an ongoing sort of like battle i suppose between like wanting to unearth the truth um 
and also trying to keep the truth hidden, even if passively. So it's it's very much an interesting case where it isn't just two people driving at the same thing. It's two. It's a very asynchronous warfare, basically. Mm. Asynchronous soap opera warfare, as you say. Like I feel like calling it a kitchen sink thing is very accurate. Mostly because a lot of the time you will get a kitchen sink dropped on your, the reader's foot. Um, it does like to kind of go back to, I meant to mention this earlier, but to go back to the soap opera thing, it does very much have soap opera ish style reveals where it are excellent for cliffhangers. Well, excellent and infuriating depending on how you read it. Um, but there will be reveals in this series, which basically do feel like you've just had a sink dropped on your foot. And like, it does feel like uh, this is a UK reference apologies, but it feels like Emmerdale tier where it's like a character turns around and goes, but it's your baby. And it's like, Oh fuck, here we go. This is yeah. the next three months with this character. But you know, in the fact that it's in this basically one, like it's, it's got one primary household that exists, the Mitterai household. And, you know, it's so, it's, it's much more sneaky, sort of slow burn, slow, slow burn stakes to it. Um, and as you say, you're not quite sure. As you say, like, even if there are certain characters that you think are in the right, it turns into a case of, well, a lot of the things being shown here are from an unreliable angle, and also a lot of this, in fact, most of it is predicated upon the concept of the ends justifying the means. And if it turns out that that wasn't the answer, then everything can basically be turned on its head and scattered to the winds, which, you know, will recast the whole thing. And that, that, I mean, again, sorry, having read ahead a wee bit more than you, Andy, there are things in volume two which do... Like they shake up the snow globe, basically. That's the best comparison I can make. It isn't like it just goes, X is Y, Y is X. It's not so boring and simple. It is a case of like, well, all this shit's in the air now. Like, have fun. So yeah, it gets real wild. Yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, yeah, to, to go back to the soap opera thing, like there are definitely chapters where I feel like I got to the end of it and I could hear the first few bars of the EastEnders theme tune like kick in behind Oh it. no, Andy. <laughs> it was it was definitely a bit of a bit of that feel going on. It's not uh, that depressing yeah. though, I swear. Is <laughs> well, no, hope, hopefully. We, I don't know, there see. is a there's a there's a you know, the the whole backstory of oh shit, our house burnt down is pretty depressing, um, unsurprisingly. But yeah, that kind yeah. of continues. Um Yeah, well, and again, I mean, even kind of the, the, the whereabouts of the mum that is at the centre of this is like also like classic kind of soap opera oh, storytelling yeah. because you finally get that reveal of like, you know, what, what has become of her. And it's like, OK, this is I mean, that that is like the most conveniently the, the most convenient thing that happens in this entire volume. But given everything else, it's like, yeah, you know what? Sure. If that's where we need to go for the rest of this to hang together, then OK, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll run with that. I think leaving that until later, the volume is should we just start talking about do you want to talk about anything more general before we i want to talk about spoilers i'm sorry i really want to um, yeah yeah i i think uh, i i think i've covered all of the the general stuff so yeah. Uh, so yeah i, I, I guess uh, let, let, let's talk, let's talk artwork pretty yes, quickly i'm kind I of did, curious yeah. like to, to what you feel about that like i feel like it's it's very good at putting its characters across again and there is like this i know there's almost a bit of a feeling of claustrophobia to me and so oh, there it. is like, yeah it, it feels like everything is very kind of tight and tense, even outside of kind of, you know, the sort of 
Shizuka's sleuth work, even you know when she's sort of elsewhere, there's 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 something hanging over everything in this series. Like every page, every panel feels like it's sort of there's a weight on every character's shoulders, and I think it it, it somehow manages to put that across in a way that kind of accompanies the rest of it. That sort of you know it it, it has that vibe to it. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about it in particular is it does an extremely good, like very subtle, but also extremely smart job with the backgrounds and the spacing and the environments where it's a house it's a pretty like upper middle class one because husband's a doctor and so there is like a decent amount of space and there's an upper floor you shouldn't go up there and you know there's a garden and all that but equally it really finds excellent places to put its characters and have its conversations in extremely tense ways like more than once you'll have the two primary characters talking and you know the the artwork will be drawn and the characters placed so that like this is just living room. It's just a living room, but that exit door is approximately five miles away from here. And good luck reaching it before you're rumbled and doomed and your scheme falls apart around you. Equally, if the characters are close, it's extremely close and unpleasant and you are in like the world's tiniest box with your arch nemesis. And so, you know, equivalent, but yeah, it, it does really smart things with spacing and character placement and, you know, just flexing and stretching and pushing and pulling this very mundane usual space into becoming almost like a supernatural like environment that you know keeps the tension up constantly and that's what i found about it really and you know it has really good also two for two in good at displaying messy apartments um (laughs) for this episode um so yeah and also also i sorry last thing andy um it also is excellent with the characters themselves like it has a very distinct sort of style and facial sort of feature um like set for the different characters like they have different resting faces basically is the easiest way i can put it across is both of the main characters in fact all the characters have different resting faces and also different kinds of expressions like they express things differently and their expressions are extremely important because frankly when you're trying to puzzle out what's happening and you do not have the internal monologue to read it's a case of well do don't does she know that she's doing uh uh-oh you know so it's really good in that regard because as i say we only have um we only have shizuka's point of view really for this and even then we still don't get 100 percent of her internal monologue sorry andy i cut you off my bad Uh, yeah yeah i I was gonna say for for starters somewhat less messy apartment than the dames i will at least oh yeah you can see the floor you can see the floor (laughs) yeah yeah you can see the floor there is not like year old pans anywhere that i saw um but the other things yeah like i think the supernatural side of it is like that's actually quite important at times in this first volume because there, there is this really great and, and it crops up a couple of times of like Shizuka feeling like she's being watched and again that's played really smartly because it's kind of both depicted and kind of signals to the reader in a way where there could be somebody watching it could be Shizuka's paranoia of just like I'm doing something that I shouldn't be in this house like I am I am you know I'm seconds away from this turning really bad um, or it could be, you know, something completely out with any explanation. And it doesn't give you any cues into that until you get to the point where that actually matters. Um, and that's exactly the kind of, exactly the kind of nuance that this volume does really well, like both visually and storytelling wise, is it, it doesn't feel like it has to, wink to camera it doesn't have to telegraph stuff it's quite comfortable with saying like hey a thing has happened you the reader have no idea what this means or if it means anything at all 
hang around and you will find out. And, you know, that is really refreshing sometimes in mm. a world where, you know, series feel like they have to give you clues so that you can say, aha, I worked out that this was going to happen. Like, the joy of this is that you can't necessarily work it out, but also it's not a complete curveball of like, I've just thrown a new thing into the mix just to surprise you. Yeah, so far, um, I feel like we're not going into, I'm not going to give exact examples, spoilers yet, but, um, it does a really good option of letting you spin off your own sort of flow chart in your head of like, well, this could happen or this could happen or this person could show up or we could get a clue about this. And it does, it, it's really good at keeping its sort of scope open to let you come up with these ideas for how it can adjust and progress or regress, I suppose. Um, and so it's really good at keeping that open. And so honestly, no matter what happens, if it does pick one of the things you thought about, that's cool. If it picks something you haven't seen coming out of left field, that's also cool. And at the same time, like the one core thing that the series does, and this is going to sound real silly, but it doesn't have the problem of linearity that you get in some series. Like, I know, this is a very dumb comparison, so please forgive me, but I, I want to make it, um, or at least I feel it's useful for this argument is, you know, um, you know, Luffy from One Piece is not going to up and die next week. I mean, he could. The odds are extremely low, but you don't like at some point you have you as the reader who has read things before know that it's very difficult to murder off a main character unless you've really death flagged them the living shit out of them or, you know, you introduced them three chapters ago or something. So, you know, but but in the case of this storyline, anything could happen like um you know our main character um shizuka could be fired next chapter and that would just be another step in it'll be a very it'll be a very complicating step but shizuka just could just get fired and well shit that changes everything but the series is going to continue and also like you know we know it's eight volumes which also helps because it's a case of like well something it's going to continue so something has to fill those pages but the series is all has to me at least already shown that the the scope of its actions can be both minor and kitchen sink and also quite nuclear um and also we don't just have the two characters like you know shizuka has a sister um which we which is initially referenced and there are also other characters in the fray which almost feels spoilerific to mention exist but um you know there is an extended cast of characters that can be pulled upon here um it isn't just like you know light and l staring at each other over a messy coffee table although that could also be possible um but yeah sorry i'm kind of going over the shop does that make sense sandy so yeah yeah, yeah I, I think so I, I i just like to think that oda is listening to this and be like ah i'll show them i shall kill off luffy in one piece forthwith um but uh but yeah especially no, I, if he I, says forthwith i don't know i find that, that that's the least um, that's the least <laughs> believable part of that entire thing yeah for, for sure but uh, but no I, I i think all all of that makes sense and yeah like it's I, I feel like this series does a lot of things in a way that other series mishandle. Like, even the flashbacks, like, some series can go too ham on that, or maybe yeah. they don't give you enough context. This is really good at using it just as much as it needs to. Um, and, and again, like you say, you know, you, you can build a, you know, a suspension of disbelief around the whole the main character will never die kind of thing. Like, you know, but it takes, it takes a lot. Um, but this series definitely enjoys the fact that, 
there are no real preconceptions you can have. Like nothing is off the table in this series, basically, because there there's enough of a framework around it that you could literally kill Shizuka and that and the series would continue because there are enough other invested parties that there's still a lot to, to go through here, uh, which is probably about as good a place as any to maybe lead into some more spoiler. I want to make I want to make one more non spoiler thing that you've just made me think about, Andy. So um, I'm again another weird comparison, but this. Uh, the way it uses flashbacks, as you say, is extremely smart in that it never lies to you in flashbacks. At least it hasn't so far where it never, it, at least so far, it's never said something in a flashback or shown something on flashback that was then later retconned or fully changed. Like mo- it's additive. So, you know, it reminds me of uh, the OVA series Giant Robo, which that entire series is predicated upon a giant, well, a very, very big version of a house burning down, which is like, you know, big fucking explosion. Um, which again, the tragedy of Bashtal as presented in that series is never like, you never lied to about it. You, it's like Rashomon type, Rashomon type thing. You get new angles and elements to it and stuff that was omitted by people who have their own agenda. And, you know, the tragedy of the tragedy of Bashtal is that, you know, you as the reader get the full picture and the world will probably never fucking know what really happened there. And that's just how shit happens at times. You know, sometimes a French town vanishes off the map and everyone goes, oh, fuck, um, shit. Well, oh, well, back to making cars, I guess. So anyway, sorry, I want to watch rewatch Giant Robo now. Um, It's real good. But also, yeah, um, that's a rather comparison I didn't think I'd be making today. Anyway, sorry, I'm right off the bat. Um, Andy, let's talk about spoilers. What, what do you take us away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah like if, if you don't want to be spoiled on this please like yeah. skip forward we'll put timestamps in the the show notes i'm sure yeah as always timestamps in um, show notes but but yeah i mean kind of the the, the greatest thing that, that this volume does as you move through it is you know shizuka initially has that vibe of like i'm being watched here it turns out there is somebody else in this house being cleaned <laughs> which is why she's not allowed to go upstairs she finds out that there is somebody there a little bit of kind of back and forth. She thinks she knows who is there, but then on some further kind of deduction, it turns out to be not the person that they initially thought it was, but actually like the the other child of uh, Mitarai. And, uh, you know, and, and that in itself is a really great arc that it doesn't rush through. It it plays out at just the right pacing of just like, you have the reveal of like, oh my God, there's, some, there's someone else in this house. What's their deal? And then it builds you right up into being like, okay, well, we know who this is now. Okay, well, that's yep, interesting. Yeah. What 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 are we going to do with this knowledge? Like, how do where do we go from here? And then it pulls the curveball of like, no, actually, this is not the character that we all thought it was. This is actually this character instead. And like, what does all of this mean for you know Shizuka's stakes? Like, does she have an ally here? Does she not? And like, the end of volume one is this really good point of like something major has happened here but again it could it could alter this chain of events in multiple different ways um and it's really you know not clear which direction this could go in yeah it kind of follows on from what we said earlier of like it both answers a question in a way you don't expect but also opens up tons more questions of well wait 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 
wait, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, especially because like both you as the reader and like Shizuka herself have talked themselves into like an entire sort of storyline of, oh, okay, I see what happened. This happened and this happened. And that makes sense. And drawing on my past experience of knowing this kid from being child children, like this is what's happened. And no, also, quite frankly, it's an excellent use of fucking coriander as like a <laughs> plot device. Um, so yeah, real wild sort of like, oh fuck sort of realizations. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to be careful about what I say because I've read volume two and don't want to just dump stuff from that volume on you as you've not read it yet, Andy. Um, the one thing I will say, and we tiptoed about this earlier, but the device of the mum having amnesia is, well, it's there. You know, it's a useful crutch. It is the sort of thing I'm glad they introduced later on in the volume once you're already invested and want to know what all this shit is about. Because I feel like if it had that in chapter one, it would be a big old wet fart. Because it's like, good job. You gave the sad wayfish wasting away mum anime amnesia. Cool. And, but later on when it gets to it, it does help explain everything else that's happening or, you know, a, a some amount, I suppose, of what Shizuka is doing. Um, and that really helps with sort of explaining it, like kind of, you know, from that angle. So, yeah. 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 And, I, and th- there was a part of, of me at, the, at that point where it's like, oh, I'd kind of assumed that, like, well, I guess the mum's probably dead. Dead. Because yeah. they, like, ma- manga, you know, parents rarely last long in these things. Um, but, but also. Do they have like, the well, dead that- mum hairstyle? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, also, like, ah, well, that, that fits. But actually, like, th- there is there is an investment in kind of the the additional stakes of her still being alive and kicking um and again it it plays quite well with that later on it's like you know one of the things that she retrieves from this house that was supposedly like a pair of shoes that her mum cherished like that that has an extra power of it because you know she takes it to her mum and she's like oh yeah i i remember those i think and mm. And again, there's still like just enough doubt because of the amnesia thing of just like, well, actually, does she? Like, I don't know. This could be a similar pair of shoes. Like, not to get too Columbo about it, but it's like, well, you know, just one more thing. Um, I mean, but, it could you know, also, well, it could also, quite frankly, be the mum humouring these girls who keep dropping by and visiting her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, is is that even Shizuka's mum? I don't know. Like, this is this is the rabbit hole that you go down with this series because yeah. of the way it handles things. You do start to kind of question everything and second guess everything and that's kind of part of the delight about it because sometimes you know sometimes you're like oh what an idiot why did i think this was a big deal and actually it was this and sometimes it's like aha i knew there was something weird about this um and uh yeah, yeah. like it's it's just a really great ride like it's kind of you know it, it is almost sort of like if you could make a soap opera a theme park ride this is the kind of thing that you'd want i mean it does like you've mentioned columbo so i've been watching columbo recently so sorry andy you've you've flipped my columbo switch <laughs> um one more thing um but yeah no it has the excellent way that Columbo frankly does of going well we're gonna let the villain fall on their own sword here because you're gonna with what you say you're gonna fully like um kind of um, give away the game in certain respects which is extremely powerful um in terms of like well you think you've won but you've also given up way more ground than you think you have when you think you're basically just calling the shots here um and it it becomes really powerful and also like it does a really good job of explaining like why there is so much of this shit lying around that is basically free evidence for shizuka um so that 
that all kind of plays and also again it plays into the like extremely like like intense melodrama of the entire thing like the faint like 10 fainting couches out of 10 basically um in this series um and yeah and as mentioned like shizuka mamauchi is not even her name her name is anzu murata formerly anzu mitarai because you know her their, her parents divorced and then mum went downhill and dad again like he's nobody seen so but also it does explain like yeah some more stuff happens around there but you've also got a sister yuzu who kind of obviously is also doing her own shit um despite being told like of course because she's told no you don't need to do any of this this isn't your burden please yuzu you have a a normal life spoilers yuzu does not let herself have a normal life so yeah that have look forward to even more nonsense happening um and i'll leave it at that and you also have you also have anzu's cosplay friend who i don't know she has the most succinct and easy setup of basically being like yeah, I just sew stuff and sell it online and I'm an independent business owner and I have an entire cl- I have an entire like cadre of fashion obsessed friends from around the world because we live in 2020 something. And of course I do. And you know, of course the first thing that fuck is out of Anzu's mouth is a fat joke, but hey. So yeah, cosplay friend is very good and strong and like she is also a very good Greek chorus who like half the time she's saying you sure about this like i'm not gonna pry or tell you not to but i'm just gonna ask you are you sure about this and you know continues to be a good character who says the needful thing of you sure i mean you can stop so (laughs) but yeah that's great stuff i am i i I kept if anything i feel i feel very saintly for restricting myself to only volume two rather than just burning through more of it yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in a way, I'm I'm very glad that like this has only cropped up now. All of it is available because oh, for God, like, so, yeah. This could this could have been the agonizing like we read volume one and then it's just like, well, you're going to have to wait like six months for the next volume. And yeah, that that seems like that would be physically painful. Yeah, you'd chew your own arm off um, because it'd be, as you say, physically painful. It also feels like the sort of series that would be really excellent on like a like streaming service. But <laughs> so anyway, let's not hammer on that too much more. But yeah, unless you have anything else you want to mention, Andy, in general, or spoiler-wise, or anything else? No, no, no. I think I think that's that's everything beyond it. You expect this on Returning Champions at some point, where we'll probably have to deploy more spoiler tags, I suspect. Well, I mean, we do have a warning about it. But yeah, that we, I mean, as I say, like I'm glad that the people who write the synopsis at Kodansha are smart enough to not like give the game away in the synopsis. Mm. And that continues in future volumes. Like it, As I say, it tells you what the state is at the start of the volume. So... You know, also some nutcase hasn't gone ahead and filled up the Wikipedia page with spoilers or setting up for this podcast could have been very annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> thank goodness for that. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, real, re- really enjoyed this. It's, as I say, it's extremely tense and extremely fun. Like it's not just like, Oh no, I'm going to die. It is a case of like, you know, cause the actual thing being driven at by um you know shizuka isn't actually straightforward revenge i mean there is an element of revenge there and you do question how much does she want to hurt makiko but at the same time her primary thing is i need to get items to get my mum's memory back to so one my mum returns and two we can find out the truth of what happened that night and so there are multiple levels of how how bloody fanged does the main character want to be because you know there is an element where at darker moments you think oh she's gonna destroy everyone 
because mm. that's her revenge. But you know, she tells herself and tells us and shows us that no, it's it's this is actually a a pathway to this particular outcome. But yeah, and that's, whether that that's, will warp over time is an open question. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and then that's definitely an interesting part of it because yeah, there's, there's definitely kind of you know set up as like this is as much about kind of closure as anything. But oh, then yeah. you get to see Shizuka in kind of some of those angrier moments, and you can kind of like see that there is like an a, a fire raging, you know, in 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 her in her own personality of just like sheer anger and kind of you know venom about everything that's happened and that definitely feels like that's something that could just tip over at some point and just kind of you know go you know go full on yeah i mean it's not just a case of unreliable narrator it's like character not character lying to themselves like you know they're in you know as i say there's a big question of well do the ends justify the means and the question is well what is the end being driven at here? Is this the straight? Is it? Is this the recover my mum ending or the I will burn this other house down? Like yeah. that. That for that has been the thing in the back of my head constantly. Of like, this is going to be end. This is going to start with a house fire and end with a house fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hopefully people don't get caught out in it. Which you know, but who knows? You know. Oh. Anyway, yeah. Who, who, know, who knows? Who knows who else is in that house at this point? Whoa, yeah, yeah. There's a real good scene about that as well. So, but yeah, burn the house down. Um, yeah, it's a right. It's a real barn burner. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I was. I was going to use the same. The same thing. So we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, we we. But I, I had to get ahead of you and, and steal it. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, highly recommended. Um, I'll Absolutely. put obviously as mentioned like spoiler tags in the notes. Um, but yeah, anything else to mention about that? No, no, nothing else there. No. I don't know. So far, like, manga, I mean, I barely use it, but so far, manga has taught me that Instagram just turns you into, like, a crazy person. Like, you become obsessed, which is why I basically log into it once a week to post a cat picture. (laughs) That's my limit. I'm done. Like, I'm not taking a video or making a story. I just post the cat. You know, if anything, it's the cat's Instagram. Yeah, I I look forward to future manga about Twitter's API, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, if anything, complete tangent, but like, I feel like manga has already, like, manga has already forgotten Twitter, frankly. Like, it's on Instagram now as a plot point, you know. Mm -hmm. Most manga don't even care about Twitter anymore, which, you know, follows a predictable arc i suppose yeah yeah we can we could do an entire like separate like con panel about like presence of technology in manga versus you know the advent and rise and fall of different technologies i mean hell nozaki kun had that entire episode about people using feature phones um and that was like an entire fucking thing because the characters who weren't very technically adept were just saying the word apps to each other the whole time um that was a good episode chapter whatever Anyway, sorry, I'm tangenting again. Um, Andy, and any uh, like last ch- third chance I think of asking anything else you want to mention about this? No, nothing else. No, good shit. Um, there isn't an anime. I wouldn't be surprised if there was one. Um, you'd probably have to do the entire thing to make it, set, mm, or just yeah. to not cause people uh, um, problems. Um, but there is a there is a TV drama. <laughs> I don't know if it's a subbed or not, but there's that. <laughs> anyway, what we're talking about next time? So I've. This is kind of a pick that I pulled out from my like list of stuff I've read previously and I'm curious to return to. Um, so my pick is volume one of, um, Slasher Maidens. So, you know, um, you get what you, you get what's on the tin, quite frankly. And Andy, how about you? 
Yeah, so my pick is kind of somewhat hot off the presses because I've seen people talking about this a whole lot recently. Um, anime adaptation incoming soon as well. Um, it is from the uh, the author of uh, Kaguya-sama. Um, it is uh, Oshinoko Volume 1. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of discussion about this so i'm interested to talk about it with you um in fact if anything i've already um a peek behind the curtain i've already read it um and i'm eager to talk about it with you andy because oh my god my notes are long and crazy (laughs) i hope that's also a good temptation for our listeners so anyway moving into close down uh we went a bit long here but i think we can justify it um you can find all all our previous episodes at our website screentone.club um if you do like the podcast please tell a friend that stuff really helps grow us in audience and metrics and blah and more people is more good more more family um also if you do what you can sign up to our patreon as mentioned earlier in the episode in the ad break uh patreon.com forward screen tone club um even jumping in at the minimal tier really helps to further cost of the manga and also gives us that big old warm fuzzy feeling um you can find our twitter uh, as much as long as it exists at screen tone club um, you can also email us if you so desire at shows show at screentone.club. Uh, my name's Elliot Page. Um, you can find me at Elliot Page still on Twitter because I can't, you know, I can't yank that IV out yet, really. Um, although the API is running out, so who knows? And Andy, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can nationally find me on Twitter <laughs> at Hannah's1979. We need to find a new thing to put in this ending bit, don't we? <laughs> cool. So, yeah, from both of us, thank you so much and good night. Bye, everyone. Bye.